You're listening to a message from Third Church in Richmond, Virginia, where we believe we are called together for the renewal of all things through Jesus Christ. To learn more about Third or how you can get involved with our community, please check out our website, thirdrva.org. That's T-H-I-R-D-R-V-A dot org. Thanks for listening. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do gather together to give you praise, and all praise is due to you. Lord, we thank you for giving us all that we have and for providing for us all that we need. And we ask now, Lord God, as we prepare to hear your word read and preach, that you would give us what, you need, what we need, that you would pour your spirit out upon us, that you would give us ears to hear what you're saying and hearts to respond to it. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. My name is Rick Hutton. I am the pastor for student and family ministry here, and I'm so glad to be with you today. If you have been with us over the past couple of months, you'll know that we have been in a series called Power in Weakness. And it's, we've been looking at Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth in this series. And today, we are bringing this series to a close. We are in our final message. And in the scripture that we'll hear read in just a few moments, Paul really brings home the theme of this letter, which is the title of the series, Power in Weakness. And if you've been with us through this series, or even if you're just joining us today, you'll see in this scripture the heart of the Christian life. You'll see the heart of the gospel. We see it as we look to Jesus. We see it in his weakness and struggles and in the salvation and life that we have in and through him. We're saved by Jesus through his sufferings and weakness. He takes them on on, in our behalf. And because that's true, God's power is made perfect even in our weakness. And our scripture today says this very thing. And we'll hear that read by the Mungala family as they read our scripture this morning. Reading from 2 Corinthians, chapter 12, verse 1 to 10. A mask of Boaz 10, although there is nothing to be gained. And we go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my witnesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would, I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than he's warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, 
My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, a few weeks ago, my family and I finished watching the Disney Plus series, The Mighty Ducks Game Changers. It's a story of a group of misfit Minnesota middle schoolers who form a hockey team called the Don't Bothers. And as you may already guess, it is an underdog story of a team that starts out at the bottom of the standings and works their way up to the top into the state tournament. Now, I won't spoil it for you, but I'm guessing that most of us have a pretty good idea of how the last episode ends. And I, I really enjoyed this series. Um, I enjoyed the nostalgia of seeing Emilio Estevez reprise his role as the snarky Gordon Bombay. But I also enjoyed this series because it was a feel-good film, movie, or not movie, TV show. In fact, I turned to my wife Caroline and said, I really love feel-good sports movies. And maybe sports movies aren't your thing and, and that's okay. But I think probably most of us would agree that we love seeing underdogs come out on top. We love seeing the weak move from being weak to take on and become the strong. I mean, this series would have been very, very bad if they had just stayed at the bottom of the standings, not really been successful, and all we did was watch the kids look at their phone and make TikTok videos. It would not have been a great show to watch. We want to see the weak become strong. And I think one reason that we do this, why this, these stories resonate with us as they do, is because all of us recognize that we have weaknesses in our lives. We want to see these weaknesses overcome. We don't want to deal with them. We want to move from being weak to being strong. All of us, no matter what our weakness is, have this longing to not be weak, and instead to be strong. And we have this desire with the, while we wrestle with the reality that we are weak, that we do have struggles. And so we're dealing with weaknesses and struggles. We're dealing with sufferings and challenges. And if we're not dealing with them right now, we will be not too long from now. And we see Paul deal with weakness and struggles very clearly in our passage today. And as we explore this more, I want us to just think about the reality of weakness the blessing of weakness, and then strength in weakness. Now, when I think of the Apostle Paul, I put him very close to the top of the list of the heroes of faith. Maybe, you know, Jesus is first, and then, and then Paul is certainly in the top three. Maybe you're with me on that. So we think about the Apostle Paul and what he did. I mean, let's think about his life, right? He had a, an amazing encounter with the ascended Jesus, which led to an amazing conversion story. He had divine visions. He planted churches. He proclaimed the gospel anywhere and everywhere to all people in all circumstances. And he didn't know it at the time, but he wrote the majority of the New Testament. 
He endured hardships and persecutions. He did that all in the name of and for the sake of Jesus. These are all things that are really remarkable, that would put together an amazing Christian resume. And yet in our passage, he says that he will only boast about weakness, struggles, and sufferings. And for the people he was writing to, not all of them, but some in the church in Corinth, that was not what they thought an apostle should do. That's not who they thought an apostle should be. They didn't want to see somebody who had struggles and weaknesses and challenges. They thought that someone who was sent by God to proclaim God's power should demonstrate that power in all things. They wanted no struggles, no weaknesses, no suffering in their apostle. They wanted a representation of powerful, victorious life that they thought came with being a Christian. But as we think about how God's kingdom moves, when we think about what the gospel always does, it takes what the world values and turns it upside down. And so that's why Paul says he'll boast in his weakness and struggles because that's when God's power is made perfect. Weakness was a reality for Paul. He had at least one specific weakness that he dealt with constantly. He never says what it is, but there are theories out there about it, theories that include physical ailments like bad eyesight or maybe even epilepsy. There were other theories where he had recurring relational problems with with people in the churches that he planted, and that was this thorn in the flesh he talks about, or even some spiritual attacks that Paul was dealing with on a regular basis. One thing that most scholars did agree on, though, is that this weakness was not a sin that he gave into. It wasn't something he, a sin he succumbed to recently because there is nothing good about sin. And while Paul doesn't say we, the weakness is actually good, he also doesn't condemn his weakness as he would sin if he was falling into that constantly. All that being said is we don't know what the weakness was, and that's good. That's good for us who, is, who are reading this letter so many thousands of years later because we can take the words of Paul and apply his words to our weaknesses, to our struggles, to our sufferings. Paul's weakness wasn't the same as mine. It's not the same as yours. And what he says about God's work, though, that can be applied to him and to us. And it applies to us simply because just like Paul, we have weaknesses. All of us, we've all got them. We just don't often like to admit it. Or when we do admit it, we admit weaknesses that are socially acceptable. I've shared from the pulpit that I'm a type one diabetic. That is a physical weakness, and I hope one that's socially acceptable to share. It's one that I don't have a problem sharing. But there are other weaknesses in my life that I, I wouldn't stand up here and tell you about. Probably all of us can think of things like that. We don't like our weaknesses. We try to minimize them, or sometimes we even make our weaknesses look like strengths. I remember when I was interviewing for this position back in 2004, I was asked the question, what are some growing edges um, that you see in yourself? And that's just a nice way of saying, please tell us your weaknesses. And I I said something like, um, well, I jump into projects with both feet and I can be overcommitted to to a project to make sure it gets done the way it should be done. Really what I was saying was I have time management issues and I have boundary issues as well. I just don't know how to set them. (laughs) 
but I tried to make it look like I was some kind of super worker. I, I don't know if the committee bought it, but I'm standing here before you still, so <laughs> maybe they did. But when we don't recognize our weaknesses or we don't wanna face them, they can lead us to become bitter because we're never as strong as we want or as we pretend to be. Or our weaknesses can simply crush us as we try by our own strength to overcome them. And even though weakness is a reality for all of us, weaknesses in and of themselves, by themselves, are not good. God did not intend for us to be weak in his original creation. But now as we deal with these weaknesses, when the grace of God takes hold of us, our weaknesses become something different. And it's because of the grace in and through Jesus that Paul sees weakness and struggles as something to boast about. Now let's be clear, Paul didn't want his weakness. Whatever this weakness was, he prayed three times for it to be taken away. Just like Jesus prayed three times for, in the Garden of Gethsemane, for the cup to be taken from him. And God answered Paul's prayer. He said no. Paul didn't want that answer. We don't want that answer either. When we pray asking for God to take our weakness and he says no, we don't want that. But we need to remember when God answers all of our prayers, he always does it with compassion and with love. God says no to Paul's request, but he also makes a promise. He gives a blessing. God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And with that promise, with that blessing, we can see then blessings in weakness. Now, when I was in high school, we had to take PE for all four years of our time there. And part of our curriculum every single year was weightlifting. And in weightlifting, um, you were graded on the progress you made and how strong you were compared to the beginning at the, at the end. Every exercise that we did, or most of them, you needed to have a spotter, someone who would stand behind you who would pick up the weight if you found yourself too weak to push it all the way to the top. Now, ultimately, you wouldn't want to have the spotter um, involved at all because if the spotter was involved, your grade suffered. Or to put it into these terms of, of our passage, we would not get, the lifter would not get the glory if the spotter was involved. Now the weightlifter wouldn't get the glory, but the spotter didn't either. They were just kinda not supposed to really be part of it, but they were there for a safety check. If we think about God as a spotter, he helps us in our weakness, but he wouldn't get the glory. But that's not what our passage says. Our passage tells us that when we are weak, God receives the glory. It is the opposite of weightlifting, thank goodness. When we are weak, and accomplish the things God set before us, God gets the glory, and that's one of the main purposes of our lives, to bring glory to God. We glorify God in our weakness because then his strength is made known. And so one blessing that comes in and through our weaknesses is that God is glorified. Now what makes this so difficult, I know for me and probably for many of us, is that we're all pretty self-sufficient. We're all pretty successful in different areas and different things that we do. And so when that happens, we don't recognize the desperate need for God that we have. We don't recognize it until we've hit that wall. We reach our limit, and that's when we recognize our weaknesses and the full impact that we ha they have on us. And it's in that moment then that that's when we cry out to God for his strength and power. And so a question for us to think about 
Are there areas in our lives that we think we're handling on our own that we think we don't need God's strength to deal with? It's an important question for us to wrestle with today. A second blessing that comes in our weakness is that God is actually shielding us from something else. And this may seem counterintuitive, but if we look at verse seven, Paul says that in order to be kept from becoming conceited, he was given a thorn. Now think back again to Paul's Christian resume being very impressive. His connection to God was pretty amazing. Those things could have easily led him to become very proud, very prideful. So God, Paul says, kept him humble by giving him this unnamed weakness. Now pride is detrimental to any of our relationships, but it's especially detrimental in our relationship with God. And so Paul saw his weakness as, as God's way of keeping him humble and causing him to rely on Jesus. So when you think of your weaknesses and struggles, think of what might God be doing to protect you from something that actually could be worse. It's a tough question to wrestle with, but the Apostle Paul saw his thorn in the flesh that way, and I believe that we can too, and that is a blessing, God's protection. Now the last blessing I'll mention here is that in our weakness, the power of Jesus rests on us, Paul says. Now, Paul can boast in his weakness because it's in the weaknesses that he has that he completely recognizes Jesus being with him. This phrase, rest upon, that's actually the same language used in the Old Testament that describes the tabernacle, God's dwelling place with his people. And it's also the same language that's used in John chapter one, verse 14, when it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. When we are weak, Jesus is with us. Closer than a brother, closer than a sister or family member or friend. Jesus is always with us and in our weakness, his presence and power dwells with us. Look, all of us have weaknesses. We'd probably like not to have to deal with them. Yet God has allowed or even brought them into our lives. That's hard for us to think about, but we see again, Paul Calling, this thorn in, calling it a thorn in his flesh, this weakness, which is a powerful phrase, thorn in the flesh. It, it makes me hurt just thinking about it. Paul uses that to describe what he's going to, and we also then can describe what we are going through in this world in this way. But Paul says this thorn was given to him. Now who could give such a thing? Really and truthfully, only God can give such a thorn because he is sovereign over everything. God either gave Paul this thorn or he allowed this thorn to come into his life. And because God is sovereign, because he's responsible for the thorn, he'll provide them the proper strength for Paul to deal with it. Deal with it. And in our weakness, with our thorns, God does the same thing for us. Now, this leads us to having strength in weakness, God providing the strength that we need to deal with the thorn that he has allowed. And I'd love for us to have like five simple steps to get strength in the midst of our weakness. It's just not that simple. But it is clear though, we can count on the fact that God will give us strength. And the way he specifically does it will look different for me than it does for you. But there are things that all of us can look to do as God will work to give us strength.
so that his power would be made perfect in weakness. And the first thing that Paul says to do or does in order to have strength in weakness is to look to the promise of God that his grace is sufficient. And this grace that is sufficient, it's more than just grace that keeps us from going to hell, although that is part of it. This grace is a persistent grace. It's a constant grace. It is a grace that is there with us every single time our weakness flares up. Paul trusted in that sufficient grace. And that promise of sufficient grace is made to us as well. Do we believe that? Do we remember that? Do we see God's persistent grace with us? When you feel weak, remember God's grace. Ask him to reveal it to you. Ask him to be glorified in your life as he does. Another way that we can have strength is to listen to the right messenger. And I love what Pastor Tim Keller says about this. Paul calls this thorn in his flesh a messenger from Satan. And so in our weakness, Satan's sending us a message. Now the weakness isn't from Satan, but he's attached a message to it. And so as we deal with our weakness, Satan is telling us things, something that we maybe think or maybe hear. But just as Satan ties a message to our weakness, God does the same thing. And so we need to know what messenger to listen to. Let me, let me give a hypothetical example. Imagine we're having a student ministry gathering down in the basement. And I have prepared all week for the, the lesson, the message to be given. And I get up in front of the students, I look out in the, in the basement and see the, the full room, I've got the microphone in my hand, and I start giving an impassioned, powerful talk. And I look out, and I see students looking at their phones. They're not looking at the Bible app, folks. They're looking at the floor. They're looking at the ceiling. They're falling asleep. Th this is imaginary, we're just remembering that as well. <laughs> And so I am up front of them, of, in front of them, wrestling them with my weakness as a speaker. And Satan, he might say something like, you stink. You don't belong in ministry. You can't hold their attention. Why are you trying to do this? Go do something else. Nobody likes you. And that, folks, is a very detrimental thing to anyone as Satan attaches that message to the lack of engagement in my speaking. But God, he might say something like, I love you. Your value to me does not come from your engagement with students. You are powerful or you are part of my powerful kingdom because I love you. The messenger we listen to in the midst of our weakness can give us strength if we listen to God and not Satan. Listen to the right messenger for strength in weakness. And finally, we'll just share one more way for us to look to have strength, and that comes from looking to Jesus. Though he was God, he became poor. He took on the form of a servant. He became weak and died in our place. And because he did, we're right with God our Father. And so when God looks at us, he doesn't see us as our weaknesses. He sees us as Jesus and his righteousness and perfection. And because that is true, everything that Jesus has is ours, including strength and power to give God glory in our weaknesses. 
One scholar put this in a math type equation that although I'm not a math person, I found very engaging. And that is our weakness plus God's strength equals Christ's power. When we're weak in body, we are strong in Christ. Look, each of us is weak. We all have struggles, we all have hardships, we all are suffering in some way. We don't need to hide that. We can boast about those things because in and through our weakness, God's power is more clearly seen as we live for him. And as God's power is more clearly seen, the more he's glorified and the more the work of renewal is done in us and through us. And it's not our strength and power that does it. It's God's. So may we be people who boast in our weakness because of what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will continue to do through our weaknesses in Jesus, with Jesus Christ being with us. And he'll do that for our good and his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are always working for our good and your glory. And Lord, thank you that you provide strength in the midst of our weakness. And Lord, in our weaknesses, we thank you that you are glorified. Help us to rely on you for strength. Lord, may we give you all the glory and all the praise as we live our lives for you in this broken world and with our weaknesses. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.